Hey, Pete the Planner here. Um, listen, I've been working on something for 15 years, and I'm so excited to introduce it to you. It is called Hey Money, and the whole point of it is this. You should not have to pay thousands of dollars a year to talk to a financial expert about your financial life and to get answers to the questions that you so badly need. And that is why we created Hey Money for about 20 bucks a month. We can help you with all aspects of your financial life, short of investment decisions. That's right. I'm just telling you how it is. Don't call us and say, hey, should I invest in this or that? That's not what we do. And let's be honest, those aren't the questions that keep you up at night. We can help you figure out how to get out of debt, to pay for college, how to uh, put together a budget, how to do all sorts of things. If you like this show, which of course you do, that's why you're listening, then get Hey Money. And I've got a special offer code, 10% off radio. Use the offer code radio for 10% off for podcasts and radio listeners only. Go to callheymoney.com. That's callheymoney.com, offer code radio. Good day. You're listening to Pete the Planner. This week on the Pete the Planner show, we are going to dig deep into the government stimulus bill and see what's in it so you know what you qualify for. We are in unusual economic times and societal times at large. Joining me as always from his bunker in northern Indiana, Damian Dunn, uh, Vice President of Advice for Your Money Line and Hey Money. Hello, Dame. Hey, Pete. So you always are a remote worker. So it's business as usual for you other than your phone's ringing off the hooks with a hook with all of our clients and participants trying to get guidance, right? Yeah, I, things really haven't changed too much for me. I've I have enjoyed uh, seeing the rest of our team uh, and by the rest of our team, I mean everybody that's not on my direct team uh, adapt to the the new conditions and I think we're handling it pretty well. Yeah, it is uh, certainly interesting times. So here's what we're going to dedicate this entire show to today. And by the way, we also have a visit from the queen of the desert, Kristen from the Your Money Line team will join us later in the show. But Dane, we're going to talk about the stimulus, what's available to people, and what some of the hidden gems of the stimulus package uh, are, and so on and so forth. So let's break it down. There's the stimulus payments. There is the unemployment benefits. There's the loan deferral programs, and then there's a sprinkling and spattering of other things. Let's begin with the stimulus payments. Dame, where are you seeing misconceptions around the stimulus payments? What what do people need to know about? I think the biggest misconception I've seen or heard, and uh, my wife's a CPA also, and so she's she's heard this one quite a bit as well, is that these will be taxable benefits. That, that we are going to be, well, that some of us will be receiving. Um, that's not the case. Have you heard that one, Pete? Yeah, that the, these payments will be taxable or that they'll, the money will be clawed back. Right. Yeah, no, they, it's just money. I mean, there's there are no strings attached other than, well, I don't want to be weird and glib, but the, the only strings attached are more of a macroeconomic problem, not personal finances. The macroeconomic problem is, how do we move forward once we move forward as a nation financially, not as individuals? Uh, but no, there are no personal strings attached to this. Yeah, technically, I believe this will be a pre-funded tax credit that we will all account for on next year's, well, this year's, but the, the return that we file in 2021. 
if we qualify for it. So it will show up, but there won't be any uh, tax taxable ramifications for us where we owe money out of out of our pockets for it. Yeah, I think what's interesting is uh, there there can be some strategy. I've seen some strategy this week of people trying to quickly file their 2019 taxes if that put them in a better light than their 2018 filings because the stimulus payment will be based on the last tax uh, return filing you've had. Uh, you will also, if you have a direct deposit account number on file with the IRS, whether you're making payments or receiving payments from the IRS, that account is where the money will be deposited. And Dame, I've read that's going to be as re- as soon as the next three weeks, which would surprise me a little, but I, I, I'm open to a good surprise right now. I would take that surprise in a heartbeat because uh, the alternative, well, that, that's not quite as appetizing. Yeah, there are also, it's important to understand for, in terms of the benefits in relation to kids, it's $1,200 per adult and 500 per child, dependent child in the household. But Dame, that threshold stops at age 16, um, which I find interesting because if you're trying to feed a 17-year-old, that's a really expensive thing to do. I can't believe they put the 16-year-old thing on it. That really surprised me. Uh, I'm sure there was, you know what, I'm not even sure. I was going to say that I'm sure there was some logic behind it, but I'm not terribly sure there was some logic behind it, like like a few other things in this bill, but but that's all right. Yeah, not to get too in the weeds with that, but I, that is a really interesting point, Dame. It's like th- there's some confusing things in here that uh, no bill is perfect. I think we have to acknowledge that, right? Absolutely, yeah. And people are coming at it and, and building uh, their case on either side, representing different groups. And, and actually, I don't have any problem with that either. But there does feel like there was some things snuck into the bill that don't make a tremendous amount of sense on the surface. And I... I'd love to have faith in knowing that there's a really good logical reason for mankind that they exist, but I'm trying not to get too cynical and caught up in that. Same. I think of uh, some of the things that were being requested and some of the things that probably got snuck in. And honestly, it's probably one of my biggest frustrations with government is uh, the way they pass bills and the way things are attached to or bills are amended to Uh, make sure that somebody's pet project gets some funding and there may be a time and a place for it. And I do not believe this was anywhere close to a time or a place to uh, take advantage of a situation like this. I thought it was really interesting to watch the stock market midweek as the stimulus details got hammered out and to watch particular companies that looked like they may benefit from the stimulus to watch uh, their stock prices rise in value and then what happened at the end of this week, specifically around the cruise industry, is since those uh, companies are domiciled outside of the United States, they may and likely not are, are not eligible for stimulus benefits. And so their stock prices rose incredibly high midweek because people assumed they were going to get part of the bailout. But Dame, that's fascinating that you have people basically front running what they think is going to be in the stimulus package to invest in companies that are going to get help. I find that to be fascinating. Sure. We're talking about the difference between speculators and investors at that point. And there were some people that were in there trying to make a quick buck or a quick lots of bucks in some cases. They made a bet and it went wrong. So most of us, uh, myself included, yourself included, 
we're not in that category or we're trying to manage our, our money and our investments as best we can during times like these. And we're just not taking those kind of crazy bets. You know, I, got, I was on a newscast last night and the anchor asked me an interesting question that I hadn't considered in these terms. I think I thought about it, but not so direct with 10 seconds to answer it. So I'm going to put it to you uh, with your crystal ball, which I think was a bald joke. Do you, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I get it. I felt it. I felt it. Um, they asked me like one year from today, where are we? So what do you think? Can I take more than 10 seconds to answer? Of course. You got two minutes and 10 seconds. (laughs) It's a really crazy question because if you would have asked us this question on Monday, chances are the answer would have been completely different than what it is today because what we've experienced in the last three days in the markets is absolutely nuts. How about last? Can you imagine asking last last Monday afternoon, like two Mondays ago? Can you imagine asking the question then? Yeah. Then things things are changing so quickly with all the new information that's coming out from around the world and what our government's trying to do to help the individuals in the economy. I'd love to say that you know, we're going to be back to a reasonable level of uh, production and GDP in this in, in the nation. Um, unemployment levels will be not nearly what they were you know three months ago, but but back to what I think most people would assume is reasonable for what we've just experienced and how we're trying to get everything back online and our new normal sorted out. But I don't know if I'm comfortable making a bet like that right now. I, I just don't know what the next, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, let alone a month from now or six months from now. Yeah. You know, um, I, I'm with you. I'm with you in the sense that I'm not comfortable making a bet. I will make a prediction, but there's no stakes, right? It doesn't matter. (laughs) And I don't want people to necessarily act on what I think might happen. But I guess that the current trajectory of what's happened in the last 72 hours, which is always a good way to to predict economic activity, I think we're reasonably close from a market and economy standpoint. Of course, some people will be marginalized, but I think we're reasonably close to January, February of 2020. And it's with that, we must take a break. And we'll come back and pick right up on that. You're listening to Pete the Planner Show, breaking down the stimulus package and the ramifications for you and your family. We'll be back in just a moment. Back on the Pete the Planner Show, talking about the stimulus, how it affects you and your family Day before the break, uh, we were getting out our crystal balls, which is uh, not a reference to the Tiger King. Uh, it is really, I think, reasonably, if the virus burns off in the next two months, or at least slows the heck down, I think we could find the economic activity uh, rise to the level of January, February of 2020. However, I I think people need to understand that doesn't mean everyone's back to normal. It means I think our our economy is growing at the same pace, but I think people will be replenishing their emergency funds and and picking up the pieces. I fully expect to not be whole, if you will, uh, one year from today. I think what we crave more than anything else at this point is uh, a spot that we can point to where we expect stability to start happening. I don't, I don't think anybody thinks that's going to be right now or maybe in the, the super near future. But if we knew that we had 
six more weeks or eight more weeks or 12, whatever it is. If we have a point in time where we can expect things to start getting better, I think the attitude around this whole thing changes tremendously. Yeah, you know, I, that's really true because, you know, early in this, I, I started separating the problems into three, um, you know, the, the virus, the market and the economy. And I've really been focusing my intellectual brain power, which isn't mm. much, on the last two, the market and trying to understand what the market's going to be doing and telling us and helping us or hurting us. And then what direction the economy is going to go so people can create that stability you just talked about. But I am almost to the point that the only thing I'm watching now is the the rate of spread. I, maybe not even that. The Because testing is so out of whack, yeah. it, it, you don't know what number to really look for in the, within the virus to uh, give you confidence that we've started to kick its uh, problem. But we're not even close, right? I... I agree with you i however have in almost entirely stopped looking at the numbers uh in the u.s for sure because testing was so poor for so long that now that we're getting the ability to test it, the numbers the numbers mean something obviously but i'm not going to panic when the numbers start to shoot up tremendously and on a very steep slope because we just didn't have the capability to test previously. And I would expect there to be a great number of cases in the country uh, of a country of 330 some million people that it, it doesn't it, it, much like the unemployment numbers that, that came out earlier this week. Yeah. We knew it was going to be horrible. We knew it. There was just no way it was going to be anything but that. And we were right and everybody expected it and it was horrible and we moved on just like the numbers that we're going to get back when we continue to increase testing, that's going to be horrible. We know that. Thankfully, we're, we're putting the measures in place now to try and handle those cases as, as best we can, as efficiently as we can with the care that the people are going to require on their own individual circumstances to get through this and get them back home to their loved ones. I had to keep reminding myself, and actually Mrs. Planner constantly reminds us, which is I'm they're grateful for, is that what we're all doing right now, mandatory working from home, sheltering in place, quarantine, whatever you're, whatever you're calling your, your uh, lockdown at home, um, it, it won't show its impact still for probably another week. Uh, so that means the work we're putting in now, it matters. We just won't see that it matters. It's like trying to lose weight. You're not going to see for a little while that it matters but then it'll start coming off. And I think that's what's going to happen. I mean, that's the whole point. The whole point of us all being on house arrest, and I, I say that jokingly, I, I'm not upset that we're all staying home, uh, is that it will matter later. And so it's we're such a, a society of instant gratification. I think people are losing their patience on the impact uh, that their staying home and their sacrifice is is showing. Totally agree. It's a weird situation where we have to have our habits reflect uh, in the future. And, and that's, that's what's happening. Stay home now, have the benefit in the future. You know, one of the benefits that is in the stimulus package that I want to talk about, if we get back to that for a second, are some of the loan deferral numbers that people can have their federally backed student loans uh, payments, not forgiven, but 
basically put in forbearance for six months. The the interest will be waived during that period, but you just have no obligation to make that period that payment until October. And then Dame, the FHA loans, VA loans, loans backed by Fannie and Freddie, they will also have a period of forbearance up to twelve months if people are suffering hardships. Uh, so those are not conventional loans. I mean, my my loan is a conventional loan. I'm rather confident that your loan is a conventional loan. <laughs> but for those federally backed loans, those uh, federal housing authority loans, FHLA loans, people will have that mortgage relief. And I think that is a massive, massive tool in creating stability when you have no income. I think this is one of the things that got, uh, that was handled correctly in the yeah. bill. I mean, this is, you know, mortgage is, is the almost always the biggest expense that a household has. And if you can just hit pause on that expense and give yourself a chance to either not not spend the money or use that money to save uh, for uh, an emergency fund for for the coming months then then fantastic and, and one of the things that I do want to point out as actually queen of the desert uh, pointed out to me yesterday the student loan uh, option yeah if you are participating in uh, student loan forgiveness or public service loan forgiveness yeah if you put your loans into this this program, into this forbearance program, those months still count towards your hundred and twenty day to, towards your hundred and twenty month total. Yeah, so, it's funny as you're saying that I'm answering a tweet because that's how I multitask from nice. a guy who asked that exact question. Yeah, so I, I'm still looking for hundred percent confirmation on that, and obviously it's all dependent on the bill actually getting passed today, later today. This is a Friday morning, uh, so. That's what it looks like is going to happen. But if you have any questions, make sure you call your lender and confirm those details. Yeah, I also saw you want to definitely call your lender and confirm those details. I think the quickest thing you can do, though, is go to their website and just see that you have zero payment due for the yeah. coming period. That's the quickest way to get some confirmation and at least some peace of mind. But then you may need to call and confirm if you're part of the public service student loan forgiveness program that you are not disqualified from it from this forbearance period. So, but again, damn, I'm with you. I've, I've read some from very reliable sources that it will not impact that. So I'm not particularly worried about that. Um, other elements and, in, in you know, you and I have just a couple minutes left here, and then we're going to talk to the queen of the desert and then we'll get, come back for biggest waste of money of the week. But Dame, the unemployment benefit is interesting, and I know there's a lot of criticism around it. I don't happen to share that criticism. I understand the criticism. I just view it differently. I think people are already without income, and so the additional $600 a week for four months, they will only be made whole. Some people will get paid more than normal, but a lot of people who lost their jobs made a lot more than what the... Uh, unemployment benefits will provide. The program was meant to give people not much because it wanted to prevent people from staying home. And I just think during this time is not a t- is not the uh, the moment to think people are not incentivized to work because the jobs aren't there to work. If you believe that the bill was a bit of a miss with the uh, income limits and phasing out on the the, the one-time stimulus that's going to be sent out to everybody, well, at least if you qualify, like we discussed in the first segment, I believe the unemployment is a way to try and bridge that gap to, to try and um, make up for those issues that the other uh, stimulus may create 
for those of us uh, that may have an issue where either the tax returns look completely different in 2018 or 2019, depending on which one gets used versus your current situation or any number of other circumstances. So the unemployment benefit of an increase of, hey, of we got to hit the bucks. break, Dame. We uh, hit the break. So coming up after the break, more of the show. Back on the Pete the Planner show, kicked Dame to the curb for a few minutes and brought in the Queen of the Desert, Kristen from the Your Money Line Hey Money team. Hello, Queen of the Desert. Hello. I'm so happy to be back. Thank you for having me. You know who else is happy that you're back? The people, because they love the Queen. Now, Queen of the Desert, you happen to be an expert on student loans, and uh, you, you know as much about student loans as anyone on our team. And with go- what's going on with the stimulus package and the ability to not have to make a payment for the next six months, help us understand what that looks like, where people are going to get tripped up, and, and I guess everything else people need to know. Sure, absolutely. I-, I think the first thing that everybody has to address is knowing who owns your debt, because that's how you know if any of this applies to you, and that's really the most important thing. Yeah. So how does someone know? I get, I'm going to expose uh, a truth about myself. I've never had a student <laughs> loan. Uh, so I don't, how does a person know that, that doesn't know this stuff? Well, how does a person know whether they have a, a federal or a private loan? So looking at who services your loan, so who you pay your monthly payment to is a really great place to start. There are these four bigger names in this space, and there's five smaller nonprofit companies that service federal loans. But if you're really and truly not sure, there is a 1-800 number you can call, or if you log into your student aid um, account, you can see who is assigned to service your federal student loans. And then from there, you can look at the names of the loans to determine if they're eligible for the relief as part of the CARE Act. So these four major companies that service these loans, if if your loans are through those four companies, does that automatically qualify you to put off your payments for the next six months or is it not that easy? It's unfortunately not that easy. So what I've read so far, and this is ever evolving, it seems, is that this will apply to direct loans, which means that if you have a federal loan, federal Perkins loans will not be included in this, despite their name kind of implying that they're federal debt. Usually they're not. And federal family education loans as part of the FFEL program, which could be serviced by one of these four big companies, will not be included either. Because though they are guaranteed by the government, they are not owned by the Department of Education. And how about Parent PLUS loans? Are those FFEL or where do Parent PLUS loans come into this? They are a part of the direct loan program. So direct... Plus loans, which are graduate and parent plus loans, will fall into this. Direct subsidized and unsubsidized loans will fall into this. And direct consolidation loans will fall into this. Those are the big four names that you should be hoping for if you are looking to receive, again, relief as a part of the CARES Act. How is anyone supposed to keep all this straight? This seems supremely confusing. Um, (laughs) I know a thing or two about money, but I I have to, I'm not confused because you're explaining it well, but I, I feel like, how is anyone supposed to know this? I, that's a really good question because I 
even in the work that we do, people aren't expected to know this. The only reason I know these things is because I make it a very conscious effort for this to be my area of expertise. And I like to be known for that, but it requires a lot of research. So I, I really feel for someone who isn't sure if this applies to them right now, because it's it's confusing to navigate these waters because there are so many different loan types and interest rates and servicers and it's it can be so complicated we're joined right now by the uh, queen of the desert oh how about that i'm a professional and my phone rings (laughs) while i'm on the air queen of the desert Kristen from the your money line hey money team talk to us about public service student loan forgiveness in relation to this um our if people choose to not make a payment or if they're forgiven for this payment for six months as part of the stimulus package, do they compromise their eligibility for those 120 payments within the uh, public service student loan forgiveness program? So the way that the CARES Act sits now, this will not impact. It actually, I'm looking at it right now, and it says that each month for which a loan payment was suspended under this provision, essentially, that this will still count toward not only a loan forgiveness program, but a loan rehabilitation program, which could be impacting some borrowers now. So the guidance is that you'll still qualify for PSLF, as you previously were. Now, if you don't know these next series of questions, it's okay, because now I'm just (laughs) trying to trip you up. Oh, okay, good. What happens with the graduates coming in May? They've got a grace period through to January naturally, right? Um, What will happen with them? Nothing, because they don't have to pay till January anyway? Uh, that's a really great question. I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, uh, we haven't really started t- talking publicly about this too much because it's one of those problems that is so bad with so with no solution that it just seems, uh, I don't want to say unfair, it just seems pointless to talk about. But I'm really worried about the graduating class of 2020 uh, from college going, going to this job market and so I think we will continue to try to build resources for those folks to know what to do. Now, Kristen, you had a personal experience with your student loans just yesterday, I think you mentioned, and it was a little quirky or you learned something. What what was it? I, it, it was weird. So I logged on to my account to see because several servicers are saying, you know, we recognize that you shouldn't be, there should be no interest accruing on your account, but you got to give us some time, right? They're dealing with smaller staffs, just like several other organizations. And they're trying, the servicers are trying to get these provisions in place. And so I logged onto my account and it showed I had, you know, 0% interest. And the other thing about federal student loans is they're usually broken up. You have one monthly payment, but that's broken up into maybe three or four different individual loans within. So everything shows 0%. It all looks good. And I go to my payment due and it shows two months worth of payments are due and it shows that my payment is late, even though I know for a fact it came out of my account on the 23rd. Oh. So... I had just a little bit of a panic attack because I take federal student loans very seriously because of, you know, the things that we talk about every day. And so I called my servicer and what they have to do now, because if anybody made a payment between March 13th, which is the official start of the zero interest, if anybody made a payment between March 13th and now, 
they have to go back and they have to credit the interest back to the account and reallocate the monthly payment because of the way your monthly payment is made. So it was showing that I had two months of loans due that my account was behind essentially. And I, I panicked a little bit, even despite being very well versed in this space. Well, that's great. Yeah. And, and again, it's, you know, student loans are complicated. They're a mechanism to pay for college when you don't have the means to do so. So they don't, they can't exactly be simple, but something like that, that's got to, if it confuses you for five (laughs) seconds, it can confuse an average person for a year and a half, right? That's the way I view this. That's yeah. What else, we got about a minute left. What else is going to trip people up as they think about their student loans and this economic catastrophe that we're currently in? Is there, is there anything people need to watch out for? I would say maybe if you're still looking to make your monthly payment, make sure if you, the way federal regulation works is that your monthly payment, anything applied beyond what is required, you get to choose where that payment goes. And if you don't pick, it automatically goes to the individual account with the highest interest rate. Well, since they're all showing zero, they're just going to apply those payments as evenly as they can across the individual loans under your account. That was the guidance I was given yesterday. So you need to make sure if you're a borrower who is in a position to continue making payments, taking advantage of the 0%, I would make sure you know which individual loans your funds are being applied to to try and take advantage of this time at 0%. That's good advice. I love it. All right, Queen of the Desert. We're not going to give you, I was on an interview last night and uh, I was telling Dame about it earlier on the show today. And the lady said, Pete, if there's a crystal ball, what do you think? And, <laughs> and it was a television interview. So I know she was just staring at my bald head, thinking of a crystal ball. I think it was a bald joke. Ouch. What do you think? I, yeah. that, that hurts. It does. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. We'll have you back here soon. Absolutely. Queen of the desert, ladies and gentlemen. Coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week and more of the Pete the Planner Show. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner Show is airline miles. <laughs> Dame, uh, airline miles kind of don't matter right now. No, not a whole lot. I'd like to say that I've I've got my eye on my summer vacation, but the only reason I do is to make sure I can get everything refunded to me. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I've been canceling flights left and right. And by I, I mean, our, our coworker Oz has been doing that for me. But um, what a weird time to be a business traveler or, or a recreational travel traveler for that matter. But I'm anxious to see, you know, I'm on the road quite a bit. I'm anxious to see when this sucker comes back, the economy being the sucker how all that goes. Cause I saw a big post this morning from visit Indy, which is Indiana's convention and visitors bureau that the key is to call an event postponed as opposed to canceled and the impact that those words have for everyone. And I thought that's neat. And most of the things I've been doing have been postponed or most of the things I'm, I'm on the hook for. No one's called cancel. And I still have people holding dates or in early May that they're going to happen. And I'm just like, can we postpone those? That's crazy. I, I wonder, you know, all these, you know, destinations that are 
not maybe refunding money, but just saying, we'll give you credit for something in the future. How's that going to work when they've got three or four months worth of vacations that have to get rebooked and all the other people who had vacations planned out beyond three or four months, and they're all trying to get squished into the same time period. How's that going to work? Yeah, I've thought about that. That is amongst the problems that are down the road that my brain is 100% trying to task itself toward. But how do you how do you classify that? Do you just go, well, we'll, we'll figure that out when we get there? Because the other one that I've yet to really talk about publicly too much, but scares me as much as anything, is the new college grads coming out into the, the job market. Like, what in the world are they good? I mean... Can you imagine entering an economy with 25 to 30% unemployment? What? Not, not happily. I wouldn't imagine that it's, it's, you know, you, you hear the horror stories of, of the grads that went through this in 2008, 2009. And that was a blip on the radar compared to what we're experiencing right now. Our, our only hope is that you know, this does get under control and the economy bounces back rather quickly. However, hiring's still going to be in a really weird spot when the economy finally gets gets jump started again. What also scares me about that is traditionally what people do when they can't find a job coming out of college or to buy themselves some time. Traditionally they will go to grad school, which I think actually always almost always makes the problem worse. But I, I think thought, in this case definitely makes the problem worse. Yeah, I thought you were going to say they turned to a life of petty crime. Oh, yeah. Petty crime. I've been working on my uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu with Ted every morning. Uh, how, how, how bad's he beating you up? Pretty bad. My back hurts. Yeah. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like people tend to, in hard economic times, people gravitate towards student loans. Do you remember during the Great Recession, 08, 09, for-profit colleges were making money hand over fist because people were taking out aggressive amounts of student loans to live on and uh, air quotes, get an education. Yeah. I, I mean, education is going to be something that I think is going to potentially have a, a slight change in how it's delivered uh, going forward to, or at least some options. And I'm not going to, uh, as your uh, newscaster friend uh, said, break out the crystal ball and try and predict where that's going to go. But after this experience, I've got to think there's going to be some changes in that area. Yeah, I think the other side of that is student loans are, are tough because if you come out of school with student loans, I think everyone would agree you you come out at a, at a strategic disadvantage because of the jobs that you're forced to take or things you have to consider. But I feel like that that gap of advantage widens in this period that more than ever, if reemployment is part of our strategy, which of course it's part of our strategy then student loans become a huge issue. I mean, it's just bad luck and it's bad timing. I, and I think it's also important to point out, and I, I've let this topic get away from me before uh, mentioning this sooner. This is currently no one's fault. I think we have to understand if you are struggling financially, if you're graduating in a month or two and you got a bunch, of, this is currently not your fault. You've done nothing wrong but the timing and the and the luck involved it's it's not great agreed and you know there's even even if the um 
the government extends, you know, some additional provisions for recent grads, you know, they, maybe they, their loans don't have to be paid on for an additional six months beyond what, what they typically extend to them. Uh, that's still a year that you're losing of being able to maybe make contributions into a 401k account, make progress on paying down your student loans, just get your life started. And so, yeah, you, there may be some financial concessions that are made for, for those that find themselves in this position, but you can't get that time back. And and that's one of the tragedies of this, this whole thing. I agree. I agree. I, I wish this was, um, a shutdown and then we just opened shop back up after the dust storm. You know, you watch these old movies and you watch these uh, disaster films where like the tsunami comes through and then it passes and then the guy flips his sign on his door from closed to open and <laughs> and he sweeps the dust off the front stoop and and he's making baguettes again. Um, I've clearly thought about this. I I hope that's what happens. But there's going to be some systemic damage behind the scenes that that do make it more difficult than that. And I don't know. I it's it's weird to talk about the virus without the virus, your virus commentary or virus opinions, without them seeming political. But I just want us all to stay inside for a really long time because it just seems economically to make the most sense to me. I'm not sure where I stand on that. I you know stay inside for a really long time. Yeah, I don't know. I, well, that's subjective, right? What is a long time? Yeah, I, I'm saying uh, I'm s- at least six more weeks is where I'm at. Okay, uh, th- and if that's warranted, then I'm I'm down. Let's go for sure. it. Let's make sure okay. that, that that's that's where we're what we're doing to make sure when things get started back up again, we don't have to have this yo-yo effect of uh, we're getting started. Well, we got to slow back down again. Yeah, it's time to go. Uh, slow your roll. I I would be rather be more cautious up front than not. However. I think there's a point where you have to be concerned that you're being too overly cautious as well. And who the heck knows when that point's going to come? Not me. I'm going to have to rely on some scientists. Yeah. You know, the, the big concern and the likely concern is that there will be, um, and there's a word, a flare up. Sure. Of this in the fall. I mean, that's, that's what is Mm -hmm. predicted because these, apparently that's how these things work. So I think we're going to learn how to, shelter and play i don't it's what a weird enemy <laughs> you know yeah. it's like i feel like and by the way for all the jokes and passive aggressive giggles i've made towards the prepper community for years uh-huh i'm so sorry i mean i am so sorry i'm a planner not a prepper a planner but man do some of those people really hit the nail on the head with this I think it's a new Twitter handle for you, Pete the Prepper. Pete the Prepper. I'm eating like uh, dried beets, all sorts of stuff. All right, Dame. Oh, we have about a minute left here. I'm warning you since, you know, the last time we were in a segment together, you just wanted to plow right on through. That's why. <laughs> it's just my new thing. Uh, do you think the anchor, when she said, if you looked in your crystal ball, do you think that was a bald joke? Totally. It had to have been suggested to her by looking at my face on the screen, right? So it was subliminal. She didn't have any control over it. It felt real underhanded. I don't know. It's funny, maybe, that at the end of each day now, I have no voice because I'm doing interviews and, and all things all day long. And my butt hurts because my chair in my home office stinks. 
So now I, I'm in a profession in which every day I have no voice and my butt hurts. It's like, what's my job, right? Like, mm. what, what is going on? Mm. Mm. Oh, well. All right. Send you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. Be safe. Listen to scientists. I'm Pete the Planner. Good day. Mm-hmm.